Let's pray together. God, I pray you uh, make things new. Make things new here. Make things new in every person's heart here. Uh, Make things new in my heart. Uh, You can do that uh, in an instant and over a lifetime, and I pray for both. Uh, That uh, gradually you would change us and immediately you transform us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Uh, I believe in that supernatural work. May we believe in it more. Uh, May we believe that we're part of something bigger uh, than just... um, uh, one church or one service, um, but a, uh, a life that does not end at earthly death, uh, but that this, is, uh, this time that you've given us on this earth is more like, uh, really is, an internship for life eternal. Uh, that, is, that is Christian reality. That is biblical reality. Uh, pour that into our hearts more and more. Uh, you are preparing us. You are training us uh, for greater things, for new wine, uh, for new life. Uh, over and above uh, a lot of our interests and a lot of our idols. Help us to see that. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, thank you, guys. Yeah, y'all have a seat as, the, uh, as some of the kids take off. How are we doing today? Everybody doing well? Yes? It's kind of tepid. Yes? No? Y'all doing good? Good. Glad y'all are here. Okay. Uh, congrats to graduates. Give them a hand. Big deal for uh, big deal for some, I guess Friday night, and then big deal for others. Uh, we got graduates coming up Thursday night, graduates on Friday morning, I believe. Uh, and uh, anyway, so we just want to celebrate uh, and pray for those families and love on those moms and dads uh, whose life is changing. So uh, turn to in your Bible Romans chapter thirteen, and today. We will be, we'll be reading different verses in Romans chapter 13 and Romans chapter uh, 14. Uh, if, if you do, like some of us, and, uh, and grab a program, uh, I'd encourage you to do maybe what some of us don't do, uh, and, and look at the cover, the front of it, uh, which is, uh, says Bellwether Church. I mean, often we'll just grab it, and that may be it. Often we'll look inside it. But on the cover, it says church people, and then there's this brown, kind of brown circle. Uh, It's not, uh, that's not, let me just say this, like really uh, a creative uh, expression of art, first off, okay? Uh, But in another sense, it really is because it's supposed to be a coffee stain, okay? And to give credit where credit's due, uh, Miss Kaylee Poole's idea, uh, at least I think it was, I think it was a great idea, uh, coffee stain. And so why would this be connected to church people or church people here? Uh, I know uh, for myself, uh, as one who drinks a lot of coffee and drinks a lot of coffee here, that, that I've made plenty of coffee stains. Uh, and I've made plenty of coffee stains uh, at my home uh, on, on nicer furniture that my wife has tried to buy and uh, that is now stained with coffee. Uh, that being said, our, our lovely carpet here, uh, has, uh, as, as Byron and others can tell you, I'm not getting a lot of laughs here. I'm not like trying, but like I'm trying to be facetious, you know, so let's, uh, I like to lighten up, but to be facetious, and that's like uh, making fun of ourselves, uh, quite a few stains. Uh, I know Tuesday morning, give a plug out for men's group, we meet at 6.30, uh, and I'm here and, and coming through. You know, what's interesting to me is, uh, and uh, not to call anybody out, but I mean, I've done this at, at other churches. I pick up not just empty cups, but they're like, 
They're like, like half full of coffee, you know, on Tuesday morning. <laughs> and uh, uh, y'all can laugh at that. Come on, guys. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's okay. Okay, we're not, we're not, this, the point I'm trying to make is like, what's church people supposed to be? Prim, proper, perfect, white picket fence, not perfect, okay? It's okay for you to leave a half filled coffee cup here, and I'm more than glad to pick it up on Sunday morning. And, you know, I don't know if things are growing in it yet, but, uh, but at some point it will be. I know that, so I throw it away. But my point is that uh, church people are about stains. They're about stains, okay, first off. And, and, I, and I, love this, uh, I love this idea because, to me, coffee represents uh, a couple things. And, again, uh, this picture. So, first off, uh, the, the stains of saying, like, we can be authentic, like, we could laugh at coffee stains that we make on the, on the carpet. It's nice carpet, and we don't want to stain it everywhere. And by the way, I mean, the grape juice stains worse, I'll say. But, uh, but that doesn't prevent us from doing communion, you know, every Sunday. So it's one thing about just being authentic, uh, as Domenico really alluded to. Uh, another thing coffee to me is about is about community. I don't know how many of you have been like, you know, let's get lunch together, or let's get a cup of coffee I mean, coffee represents, across the world, community uh, and, and life, sharing life together. Maybe that's individually, maybe that's two people, maybe it's a group getting together for coffee. Uh, for me, coffee also represents a time with the Lord. Uh, my, as we would say, quiet time or my um, time with God, rise with God, would be in the morning. It happened this morning, it happened yesterday morning, and it always happens with coffee. Uh, and one thing that I've learned to have quality time with the Lord is that I need to be awake, okay? And I need to be well awake, okay? And not groggy. So often, here's a little, if you want to do it in the morning, what I will do is I will read sports for about five to ten minutes before going to the Bible. And I used to feel guilty about that, like, well, that's the first thing I'll go to. But it wakes me up to get into God's Word uh, later. And so that's kind of my... Uh, uh, my habit, my pattern, every morning. So coffee, or this picture and the coffee stain, you know, what this represents on the inside of church are things that, that we should be. Uh, we should live authentically. We should not be afraid to, to show, you know, our, our stains. Uh, we should live in community. And we should live uh, with time with God. That should, that should be indicative. That should indicate who we are as God's people inside. But church people, God's people, it's not just about on the inside in this house of what we do. We also have a mission on the outside. A great commission. A mission within the great commission. Uh, Jesus said, Matthew 28, 19, Go, make disciples of all nations, teaching them all I've commanded, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we, so we have a, a mission uh, for, as Bill talked about, really as Domenico talked about, to, to expand uh, the kingdom, to, to literally uh, take ground. Uh, I love history. Uh, I love World War II history. Uh, Memorial Day is coming up this week. Uh, we do have church on Memorial Day Sunday. Just letting you know, okay? We do have church. 
But also, we should remember those who gave the greatest sacrifice. Uh, you know, it's, it is about veterans to honor, but it's also those who gave the greatest sacrifice. But we're, we're in a war. We're in a war. Uh, we have won. Jesus on the cross was like D-Day in World War II. I mean, most historians would say the war was won D-Day. But there were a lot of casualties after D-Day, uh, as those of us who love Band of Brothers and those World War II movies will, uh, will tell you. And that's really what a, a biblical historian said. That's really the time period we're in now. We're in, to use a metaphor, it's like June, I guess, 7th, 1944 to April 1945. And so we're taking ground from the enemy, uh, from the devil, that's who the enemy would be, not one another, which he likes to confuse us into that. So we're taking ground uh, in places, in lives, in souls, in cities, in nations, and that's what church people are called to do, uh, to expand the kingdom life by life, soul by soul, marriage by marriage, relationship by relationship, to nation by nation, until uh, April 1945 in Jesus' time, Comes and he comes again. And all things, as we just sang about, all things are viscerally made new. So we have this, uh, we have this external call to take ground. And, and let me you know, break it down some in, in terms of what that means like for us. Uh, that would mean these, these churchy words called like evangelism uh, or, or mission uh, or being invitational. Uh, inviting people to Christ, most of all, uh, but to a community of Christ, uh, which could be a small group, uh, which could be a mission trip. uh, Which There are multiple ways, uh, avenues, on-ramps, that you could invite people into communities of Christ, invite them to church, to gatherings, to be inviting, to be invitational. It's very important uh, in... Church people's lives, or it should be, to be invitational uh, to take ground from the enemy for the kingdom. That's, that's kind of the deal. Now, I, I say that in that, you know, the early church, and I'm, I love, I'm really fascinated. You could probably see it if you, if you took a, uh, if, not just if you listen to sermon by sermon, and I know you do, but I mean, like, if you just look back on all my preaching, a lot of it does fall into, and I've done this, into like the early church time frame, you know, from, from Acts onward. Love that time period. So I love early New Testament, early church, and I've loved like looking into like what they do to get it so right, because they, they got it pretty right. I mean, they were sinners and flawed and everything, but they, you know, they, they, were, they were, you know, I, I'm not a fan of the term like crushing it, but they were like crushing it, okay? Uh, you know, to go from little band of community to, you know, Roman Empire goes down. You know, they were, well, the Holy Spirit was doing something. But what, what was it? And the more you look at it, and I actually really hit on this, whether you realize it or not, last fall in the series Money, Sex, and Marriage, that the most inviting thing, the most invitational, that the early church did was not like, hey, I want to invite you to go on this mission trip because it's great. You know, hey, I want to invite you, Paul, would be like to go to Crete to help start this church. Or, you know, go with me to Galatia, which is in Turkey, churches in Turkey or Rome or wherever. Uh, it wasn't even, 
if, if you read it, was it like, hey, come to our gathering at Antioch. You know, you got you to gotta see our gathering and how we do what we do. What drew people, what compelled people, what grew the church were these believers that had very inviting lives. It's like their, their life as a whole was inviting. I don't mean like saying, hey, I invite you. I mean, like, it was compelling. Like, you'd see, and some of you know this because you may know someone like this. You see someone like, man, I just, I want to be like that person. I want to be like that lady. I want to be like that guy. They, what do they have? Like, they seem like they really got it figured out. Like, they don't, they don't have a lot of wealth. Uh, they, they don't have maybe a ton of social status, but they, they got something. I hope and pray that you know at least one person like that. And the early church, uh, their ethic of generosity, so we talked about this money, sex, and marriage, and, and their capacity to give, and I'm not talking about that they were wealthy, I'm talking about the desires of their heart, their, their desires to give. Uh, their, um, there was a saying, you know, they were so... What is it? So liberal with their, hmm. so giving or so liberal with uh, with their money and so stingy about their bed. That was a saying in the early church. Um, that they gave so much, but they would not share their bed. So this ethic of life, of how to live life, that they had really found, and it was, they found the, they found the secret. In my opinion, they they found the secret of life, which is Christ. Okay. It's not just the secret of life eternal, heaven or hell. That too, but the secret here. Okay. And so they had this inviting life. And I think that we as church people, in every church, but we have responsibility here in this house, that we should really be intentional to try to think about like, how inviting is our life. Um, that, that would be called like growth. How, how are we growing internally with with things like generosity, with things like our relationships and what we give, what we may not give, um, how we speak. Uh, is our life an example to others? Do people say about us, you know, they, they've got it, they got it figured out, that person. I'm not, take this church even out of it, just us as a, as a people, as individuals. And you see, the world can, can really work hard, and I mean, I think it's really the enemy who is the devil, using the world to define the church in wrong ways. And often, like, we buy into it. What do I mean by that? Well, if you, if you heard me right earlier, even looking at the, the church people thing, I mean, we, we fall into, like, well, I can't show stains, you know? Uh, or it, it's not, I can be relaxed everywhere else, but when I come into the Lord's house, we got to put on the face, you know, it's got to be, it's got to be proper, you know, in, in how we do and how we live and how we relate. I can't show stains, okay? That, that'd be a lie from the devil that uses the world to try to define the church like morally when really church people are very, very immoral people that are saved, thank God, by God in Jesus, okay? And the only way to really draw people, I think, is when we say, you know, I have these stains, but they're stains, okay? So it's not like happening now. And I'm working through it and I'm growing through it. You know, that's one way. Uh, another way is to, you know, confuse us that we've got to, uh, we've, we've got to be a certain way. 
and that uh, the, the Lord um, maybe cannot work through us because we're not good enough, that would be a lie of the enemy using the world for us, which God can use. God, I mean, I hope God is using all of you. I'm looking up my phone because I want to use an example of how the world defines in a wrong way the church and how it can really, really confuse vulnerable people. And some of you may be in this. I'm going to, I copied a text. There is a, a person, will not name, will not even say their, their sex, okay, who my wife and I counsel, who does not live in this city, lives in another city uh, in this country, but a friend. And let me read some things that this person said about how they are confused you know, about the church, and they would consider themselves a church person, you know, and what, uh, you know, what the devil can do, or the devil can do through the world, but uh, this would be a person, considers himself a Christian, really struggling, really wrestling uh, with, with life, and how to live as a Christian, how to live an inviting life, so they say, I'm really struggling with who God is right now, and what, look, listen to this, what is the point of the cross? I guarantee you, there's at least one person in this house that has that same question. Even after, after Easter, Good Friday, maybe that's a young person, maybe somebody's in high school. But I'd like this to be a place that we cultivate. You can admit that. You can share that. I'm really struggling with who God is right now. What is the point of the cross? This person's single, let me add. And... This person's young, single, trying to live as a Christian, another city. My whole life, I've been the, I love this, the older prodigal son, trying to do everything right. Now, I really want to run in the opposite direction. I just want to be the younger son. I want to date who I want and not think another thought. However, I can't. And then when I do, I can't shake the guilt and the questioning. Uh, I think the hardest part about this, um, I'm around so many people and have dated so many people who really would not say they're believers. Some I've tried to communicate that there will be no sex before marriage. Kind of a big issue, okay, there. Not just for this person, but for everybody. Uh, And that we'd have to be in faith together, but it's such a struggle. Uh, I keep seeing God as a judge. I keep seeing Christianity in the eyes of legalism. I want to see God as a God who can really move mountains, who can save anyone, anytime, who knows the desires of my heart. God is good no matter, no matter if I'm single forever, no matter if I have to endure pain, or God is good if he saves uh, anybody and everybody that I'm in relationship with. It's kind of paraphrased from conversation that we've been having, uh, but it's just an example of a church person who is trying to live for the Lord and very, you know, can be confused about what the world might, might say. So, you know, what do we do? I believe we look to Scripture. Uh, scripture is not just for uh, churchy people uh, or a Sunday school answer, because sometimes, and maybe I've never said this before, sometimes Sunday school answers is kind of like the real answer and like the real deal. And so, that being said, I turn to Romans 13 and 14 because uh, I love Romans. I love Romans 12, but right after Romans 12, 
there's some, I think, very practical advice about how to live. And it, it talks about really how to live in two ways. One is, hear me on this, is like church people on the inside here looking out. So if we were to think about, if we're gathered, like, well, how do we live looking out to the world? And that's really, in my opinion, Romans, Romans 13, Romans 13's focus. Then you get into Romans 14, and it's really about, it's interesting, from the outside looking in. Like thinking about, well, what would others say of us if they see this or that? So let's start about us from the inside looking out into the world and how we should live in the world as church people. Uh, First off, Romans 13 begins, and I'm just going to, Highlight verses, okay? So you may have seen, if you, if you read the program, Romans 13 and 14, which they're, they're fairly short chapters, but we're not going to read the whole chapter. But first, like with government, it's interesting, Paul starts out with government or uh, politics, uh, which politics, you know, is just people, but how do we, how do we live in a society that, that has to be governed? How do we as Christians live? And, you know, Paul was writing this, in the Roman Empire, which was really a horrible uh, form of government for Christians. And it's just fascinating kind of what he says. So, I mean, don't take this as I'm like, or doing this today, you know, when there, is, when there are certain people in office. You can read this any time, any season, when anyone's in office for the Christian in terms of how to live from the inside looking out. To paraphrase, I think Paul is really saying, you know, you should be, Christians should be the best citizens. That doesn't mean Christians should run for office doesn't mean Christians should not run for office. I do think running for office is a call to the Lord. But I think it says, and that's my opinion. But look at this, verse 1. Let everyone submit to the governing authorities, since there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are instituted by God. I have really, you know, honestly, I've been shaken to kind of my core just with that verse for several years uh, with different people who are in office. I mean, did you hear that? Let everyone submit to the governing authority since there is no authority except from God and the authorities that exist are instituted by God. The reason I've been shaking my core is that, you know, you can have different opinions about government or or politically, but yet as someone who believes the entire Bible that it is inerrant, verse for verse, word for word, I can't deny what it says. So I also have to think that there is a plan. and, And I try, you know, from the inside looking out, that I should be the best citizen. I should pray for whomever, everyone who's in office, and, and try, to, you know, try to be a model citizen. Going down to verse 7. Pay your obligations to everyone. Taxes to those who you owe taxes. Tolls to those who you owe tolls. Respect to those who you owe respect. And honor uh, to those who you owe honor. Uh, the, first, you know, the first seven verses, Paul is focused on, on government, politics. And so... It is, uh, it's just an example for us to, I believe, from the inside looking out, uh, be these citizens that people could look at uh, and, and be modeled. Then to neighbors, verse 8 through 10 is really focused on the neighbor. And verse, uh, end of verse 9, love your neighbors yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. Do we love our neighbors? That, you can generalize that, but getting specific. I mean, the person on the street beside you, the person across the street. Uh, something my wife did last week that, you know, I felt 
little guilty. I didn't even think about this. We had white roses for Mother's Day. Hopefully moms took a rose. Uh, if you didn't, I'm sorry we don't have white roses today. We will get you one if you want, but there's a single mom that lives across the street from us. My wife brought her a rose, you know, took it to her. Thought, was, you know, she's our neighbor. She lives across the street. Is my wife trying to get her to come to church? I mean, no, that's not the point of it. I mean, the point is, like, is to be a neighbor to, we know she's a single mom, we know her. Here's a white rose. Happy Mother's Day. It's, you know, lives of just cultivating kindness in our neighborhoods, uh, in uh, door-to-door, house-to-house. So as citizens, as neighbors, and then he goes on really as examples. Uh, I love verse 13. Let us walk with decency. I can't, you know, just to be decent people, to be decent as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness. He kind of spells it out there, yes. Not in sexual impurity and promiscuity. Not in quarreling and jealousy. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and don't make plans to gratify the desires of the flesh. So if you took Romans 13 from the inside looking out how to live as church people, being model citizens, neighbors, examples for a community, And then shifting to Romans 14, well, what would people say of us from the outside looking in at us? And if you you read Romans 14, a lot of what's in here often is a lot of what the outside has said about the church. Maybe you've said about another church. Maybe I've said about another church. Maybe we've said about church people. And like I said, we have stains. We're, We're imperfect Uh, which is no excuse, but look at this. I mean, Paul would write, Romans 14, uh, don't argue, verse 1, except anyone who is weak in the faith. So this would mean, you know, people who are, uh, to to use a word, and this can be a loaded word, I'm not trying to say it loaded, but like immature, there are different levels of maturity in the faith. Man, except anyone. But that doesn't mean we want anyone to stay where they are. We want them to grow. But don't like get caught up and argue about disputed matters. And often from the outside looking in, they would say that the church or a church is arguing about things that are not as important or or relevant. Judging. You know, we're all hypocrites and that that is the truth. But verse 4, who are you to judge another's, he says here, household servant. Before his own Lord he stands or falls. Verse 10, you, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or you, why do you despise your brother or sister? We will all, look at this, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. It is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me. Every tongue will give praise to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Arguing, judging. Look at this, verse 13. Therefore, let us no longer judge one another. Instead, decide never to put a stumbling block or pitfall in the way of your brother and sister. Look, I, I'm not proud. I've, I've been a stumbling block before. We probably, if you're a Christian, you probably at some point have all been a stumbling block. That doesn't mean we have to all the time. But verse 14 would say, here are some traps that the devil will trap you up when the outside is looking in, when you're arguing, when you're judging, when you're being a stumbling block. You know, that's going, to, that's going to trip people up. It's going to trip us up. 
Verse 21, again, it is not good. It is a good thing not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that makes your brother or sister stumble. What Paul is breaking down is, is like, you know, nothing you do saves you. And what Paul is saying, you're, you're really free. There's great freedom in Christ. But with the freedom we have in Christ, uh, the world may put certain limitations on things or say this is what you should do or this is what you... And the world is just waiting. The world is waiting uh, to trick us up or trap us down or the devil use the world to trick us up. Let me read one thing out of an article I read this week about men. So many men are not going to church. So many dads are not going to church. So many husbands are not going to church. This is what one guy said. And the whole article was about just seeing the numbers in North America, I might add, of so many men. Uh, and, you know, I mean, we see it uh, here or in men's groups. I mean, and not just in this church, but just how many men are checked out, just checked out of growing in Jesus Christ. This guy said, I treat church just like I treat my girlfriends. I'll stick around for a while, and then I'll go on to the next one. Another said he believed in God, but he rejects the idea of a God with strings telling us how to live. That doesn't really work for me. You can just hear somebody saying that. People, I mean, they're just waiting for us to argue or judge or be a stumbling block. Say, yep, told you so. Just another hypocritical, jacked-up church. Want nothing to do with it. Just wait. So, what do we do? We can go back to Romans 13. But also looking at Romans 14 and remembering. This is what the outside there, you know, they're, they're looking into. So, how then? You know, if those are just practical steps. But something has to happen. And Ty, TK, Lauren, Trey, all of them saying about it right before the song, from the inside out. Like we could focus on all practical steps or give, us, give ourselves five points about, and the Bible will do that to certain degrees. But something has to happen from the inside out. And that's why, you know, what I love about the Bible, it never, it never misses that. It's not fully just a self-help manual. There are aspects of that, but there's something bigger, something deeper. And if you don't have this, I mean, the rest of it is not going to happen. Verse 7, chapter 14. None of us lives for himself. No one dies for himself. If we live, listen to this, if you're a Christian, verse 8, Romans 14, if we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. If you say you're a Christian, if you say, hey, Jesus has done this, if, if you've been baptized, which we highly recommend, verse 9, Christ died and returned to life for this that he might be Lord over both the dead and the living, Lord of all. And look at this even in verse 15, chapter 14, talking about being a stumbling block. For if your brother or sister is hurt by what you eat, you are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy this, by what you eat someone for whom Christ died. Someone, do we look at one another? Do I look at another? Neighbors. Politicians, Republicans, Democrats. We talked about this this morning in our Bible study. Do we look at one another 
as someone for whom Christ died. To get there, it has to happen from the inside out. A supernatural work of God. And that can happen in a moment and over a lifetime, and I believe it's both. But all these other things, which are, which are great in Romans 13 and 14, they fall into place when that occurs. And if that doesn't occur, I mean, just, you're kind of sputtering. You'll fall back, and, you know, two steps forward, five steps back, you know, one step forward. But if the focus is on Christ died and returned to life for this, that he might be Lord over the dead and the living, Lord over all, that every knee would one day bow, every tongue confess, Philippians 2, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Uh, so I say all this because we are church people, if we say we're Christian. We're church people that belong to a community. Uh, there are things that, uh, that we want to do to grow. Uh, we talked about Grow 3 last, last year, and we'll bring that up again. But, you know, one of the things I really meant about that is, like, growing our lives. Because when we grow our lives, then we become, we have a more inviting life, period. And people, I want people to say about everybody in this house, in Bellevue Community Church, they've, they've got something figured out. They've got it. I'm not talking about the church. I'm talking about you as an individual. And they live well. That doesn't mean maybe that they're wealthy or healthy. They just live well. And I believe that begins and never ends in Jesus. Not in a five-point plan. Begins and ends in Jesus. So, to, to be invitational, to expand the kingdom, think about, you know, how inviting is my life? I mean, I ask this about myself. How inviting is your life? How generous are you in your, in your gifts, in your time, in your talents? Do you, do you think about your actions more than the action of the Lord on your heart, whether that's even happened or not? Because that's, when that occurs, and when that's received, and when that's, when that's done, when that penny drops, those other things begin to fall into place, and that's what I want. Let's pray for that. Heavenly Father, may the penny drop in all of us more that we could be just more inviting in our life and that our lives would be more compelling for you, Jesus. Not it's about us, less of us, more of you. But I pray that, that there is heart change and that people would see us and that we are, we are just invitational people for you, Jesus. And that we'd look at the early church and how inviting their lives were and, and want that and desire that our lives, for our marriages, families, this church. In Jesus' name, amen.